back in Romans chapter 12, and I'm sorry it's hot here. Bob Falkenberg, he's a director of administration. He is in charge of all cool things in this building, and he is in Florida. So we're going to have a little talk about who else can run the thermostat. So um, it's hot in here, isn't it? Oh, it's not? Oh, we got, yes, it's hot. We got, no, it's hot. Welcome to the family of God, where there is all unity and no disagreement whatsoever. <laughs> all right, Romans 12, 1, Paul says, after 11 chapters, therefore, I urge you, brothers, I plead with you, brothers, offer yourselves to God as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is a spiritual act of worship. So in view of God's mercy and all he's done and all he calls us to, offer yourselves to him as a living sacrifice. And that's what we talked about last week. This week we're going into verse 2, which is the first one is this, the first half of the command is negative. The sec, or first half of the verse 2 is negative. The second half is positive. And it says this, do not be conformed to this world or to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order that you may show or test and discern what God's will is, is good and acceptable and perfect will. Sorry, I just quoted about three different versions all at once. Um, I have memorized that in so many different versions. So, I'm in the ESV now reading it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The worst enemy, I believe, that John Luke Picard ever faced on Star Trek was the Borg. And anybody remember the, the, the famous phrase, resistance is, you will be... Yes. And the whole, how many Trekkies out there? Like, we got a few. All right, the rest of you can pray for us later. Um, so, Star Trek, right? And, and what happened is the Borg is this big, I don't know if it was, a, it was like a computer or whatever running the thing, but it was basically go to world and civilizations, conquer them, put some kind of ro chip robotic plant in them and take over their consciousness. And they were no longer humans or no longer the race that they were part of. They were now part of the Borg and they lost all identity, they lost what it meant to be human or whatever race they were part of or species. Uh, so I got a clip. I got to show you this because it, it is really incredible graphics and so scary. So let's watch. We are Borg. You will be assimilated. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life, as it has been, is over. From this time forward, you will service us. You will be assimilated. See, and that's a scary, so I'll get out. So that was the captain, and of course, that was the scariest part of the movie when how could the captain, you know, Captain Picard become assimilated, and so the whole movie's about that. But it, it really looks like when you read Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Star Trek borrowed from Scripture. Do not be conformed to this world, the pattern of this world. It's, it's this idea of being assimilated, this idea of living according to a pattern. Now, 
as you read through Scripture, that we were born into this, right? We were already born into an assimilation into this world, the pattern of this world, the thinking of this world, a nature that was oriented towards sin and sinful itself. And Christ, in his mercy, pulled us out of it, and now he's saying, hey, look, do not be conformed. You just got pulled out of it. Do not be conformed to that which you were just rescued from. Do not be assimilated in. Now, what are those patterns? What does that look like? The world, the flesh, it's, it talks, the Bible talks about this so much in the New Testament. So you can find it everywhere. Paul in Romans 1 says, hey, this all started when we exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And then he just goes on and, and got to the point where we just completely abandoned everything and were given over to total depravity, doing what ought not to be done. He goes through this whole list. And James, James talks about it like this. He says it's being quick to anger, quick to speak. In that anger, selfishness, jealousy, envy. Galatians 5, Paul gives a long list of sinful patterns of this world. In 1 John, the letter of 1 John, John himself describes the, the patterns of the world as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In Leviticus and Revelation, there's, a, there's several different, I mean, Leviticus has a lot to say about the patterns of this world, but there's specifically, God comes in there and in Revelations, again, and talks about how people want real power, and so they'll go for witchcraft and sorcery and astrology. And, and there's this, God looks at that and says, hey, look, that, that is a pattern of this world that's evil. You're going for powder, power outside of me. And so what, what's happening here is there's a warning and a command. It's negative. Do not be conformed to this world. It's interesting when you read more letters from Paul that there are Christians who end up being conformed to the pattern of this world, and Paul actually references them and how they walked away. Totally assimilated, pulled back into how this world lives and thinks. I don't know if you read or listen to some of the major, I would say, Christian pastors, leaders here in the U.S., influential ones in the last couple of years. James McDonald out of Chicago. Bill Hybels also out of Chicago. Two megachurch pastors completely removed from their ministries and refusing to admit they had patterns of this world that they were consumed by, assimilated and conformed to, and they wouldn't walk away. Lost everything. I know some, I'm sure you know some some people in ministry forced to resign, fired maybe because they had patterns of this world that they didn't want to walk away from. Uh, you know, I've been following Christ since grade school, and I still get drawn in to patterns of this world. This is a warning. It's a command, and it's a warning, and no one gets a free pass on it. No one. I don't get a free pass on this. You don't get a free pass on this. There's no place where we outgrow this because we live in this world. You need to think about that. We live in this world with all these patterns going on around us. This warning, this command never stops as long as we take breath. We never grow out of that. We never mature out and say, oh, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that anymore. No, 
I'm sorry. We live in this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So that's the, the, the negative side, the, the prohibition side. Do not do this. The but positive side now is, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the positive side is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformation is where we get the word metamorphosis. It's, you know, it's easy to look in nature. You see one of the most famous one is the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? I just watched, um, oh, I just forgot the name of it. My boys are not here. Godzilla, right? And they had on display one of the best metamorphoses in world history. It's when Mothma changes from a caterpillar to the I got nothing. Anybody going to go watch Godzilla? Anybody know about Mothma, the big, cat, the big butterfly? All right, come on. Well, they do a metamorphosis on the screen. It's this incredible scene, right? Well, maybe not so incredible, but it, it's Mothma. You're really worried about my movie uh, choices, I'm, not, I'm sure now. But um, metamorphosis is the changing of the form or the nature of a thing or a person into something completely different. Now, metamorphosis is something that you can't imagine unless you see it, right? Unless you see it, you can't imagine it because how can you see something that's going to change into something that is completely not, right? It's, it's this, but now it's completely something, or now it's com- something completely different. That's metamorphosis. And he says, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation. HGTV has been in the top 10 uh, networks to watch over the last couple years. When you think about all the networks that are out there, I mean, it's a pretty big, uh, it's actually pretty commendable of them to be at that place in the top 10. The New York Post was writing about this, saying, hey, what fuels this and what drives them to be at the top 10? Um, the last couple years, and actually it's 11, 10, I think three years or four years. And this is what they said. On HGTV, and, and they would say it's the fixer-upper shows primarily that drives it. I, I know there's the food shows too, but it's the fixer-upper shows um, that do it. And what they say this is on HGTV, optimism abounds. It reverses entropy. The network's house-flipping shows aren't really about money. Listen to this. They're not about money. They offer the thrill of watching something deteriorated revived. The makeovers aren't merely cosmetic. Something deeper than fashion is at stake. And this is what they say. On HGTV, decay isn't a permanent condition, and anything can be repaired. Things get better on HGTV. Isn't that interesting? They have tapped into what our souls long for, and it's transformation. I mean, if you watch one house flipping, home makeover, whatever you want to call it, if you watch one of them, you've watched them all. And some of you are thinking, well, why would you ever watch Star Trek? Because if you watch one of those, you watch them all. <laughs> I know. I know. They have tapped into the soul's desire for transformation. Tell me I can change, tell me it could get better because I can't imagine how it will. 
People can't get enough of it. And it's just a TV show. And Paul is saying this. He's saying, be transformed. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what Paul is saying here, this transformation, God has a vision for your life. He has a vision for your life. You are this way. He has a vision where he is going to transform you into this. Do you know what God's vision for your life is right now? You ever thought about that? You ever stop and ask him, God, what's your vision for my life? You ever hear him answer back? Ever give him the time to? God has a vision for your life. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's talking about this one moment when Moses encounters God and it's up there on the mountain and God says, all right, I'll show you my glory because Moses is like, come on, show me your glory. You've got to show me something. I can't lead all these people. And God's like, all right, I'll show you. And he shows him, he, you know, puts them in this little place and covers them up and he just gets to see the backside of the Lord and, and just a glimpse of it because if he saw the full expressed glory of God, he'd be wiped out. And Moses, after that encounter with God, comes walking down the mountain and everybody's like, ah, they're freaking out because they don't, what, recognize him. Why? Because he's been metamorphosed. He's been transformed because he encountered the living presence of God. And everybody was scared of him. He actually walked around with the veil on because it was frightening so many people. That's the transformation. That's the vision. That's, that's what God has for you. He says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we are going to be transformed into his likeness, into glory after glory. He has a vision for your life, and it starts right now. It'll be complete when we get into heaven. But his, his vision is for you and I to go for him and to go for his plan and his way. And what God says is if, if you buy into my vision for your life and this transformation, you'll get on the other end. And you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, this is perfect. It's perfectly me. Like, how did you know that, that's what I needed? How did you know that was me? You're, you and I will, will accept it. We'll say, bring more of it, right? We're going to test it. We're going to live it out. We're going to go, this is, this is me. This is what I created for. This is what I've longed to live for, right? As that transformation comes, that's what he means by test and discern. You're just going to be able to see it and go, yes, that's life. It's perfect. Check out this clip of a, a story of transformation. As a small child, I was very confused. I was lost because I just didn't understand how God and Jesus Christ would work in my life. I had no understanding as a child um, of them. Um, I was very lost, very um, hyperactive, very fearful of the world, very fearful of people. Um, always feeling like I didn't fit in or the, the puzzle piece was always over here or out there somewhere it was, you know, that I was not a whole person. Um, and those thoughts, of course, led into uh, 
much more destruction as time went on. The condemning thoughts, the critical and judgmental thoughts of myself really became prevalent and even stronger in me when I started drinking. My alcoholism started at the age of about 13, but it really took off at the age of 14. I gave myself over to drunkenness. I drank a lot. Um, anytime I could get it, uh, even as a 14-year-old. So as a teenager, I started drinking to fit in, to feel like I belonged, which is a false feeling. Um, but for a while, I did. I thought I did. Um, and the drinking progressed and progressed and got more and more, and I became more and more of a lost soul, became more and more separate from God and Jesus Christ. And in that separation were the consequences, um, the depression, the, the suicidal tendencies, the despair, just that blackness that came over me as a lost soul was very, very real. Um, and I went a long, long time being a lost soul, being apart from God and Jesus Christ, having no way to understand who they are or even understand myself as a human being. Um, so in that lostness is when a lot of things started happening that were negative, that put me on a path of self-destruction. I wanted inwardly to destroy what God had created in me um, so that I could do what I wanted to do. I thought it was very important that I do exactly what I wanted to do. Um, little did I know what I wanted to do was in no way matching up to what I was actually doing. Twelve years ago, I came to in a psychiatric hospital with no idea how I had gotten there. I had had what is called a complete psychotic break from reality. Um, I, I was not cognizant of what I was doing, except all I knew was that I was still walking around. I was told that I was, but I have no memory of it. Um, I had completely shut down mentally uh, before going to that psychiatric hospital. I was unconscious for three days, three nights, and um, till about three o'clock on the fourth afternoon, my psychiatrist on the third night had decided to call my brother and tell him to start making end of life decisions for me. Um, but God himself had other plans for my life and I started coming to consciousness at around three o'clock that fourth afternoon. Um, I came to just with no clue where I was, how I'd gotten there, um, no memories of that day in question. I, I hadn't even had a clue that three days had gone by. Um, and, uh, you know, I believe God started his work in me in that brokenness, in that separation of my mind from myself. He started the work in me. Jesus started his work slowly in me. I think he knew that 
I was a deer in the headlights. I was as skittish as they come. So, um, but him, he brought me to him. And when he did, um, I started realizing that he was doing the actual work. He was giving me um, a change in such a way it was so deep and so personal and so real that I knew I wanted more and more of him. I knew and I really believe that in that time was where I just turned to total acceptance of Jesus Christ, not only as my Lord and Savior, but my healer, my friend, my protector, my provider. He is my provider today. Um, so much more that he has brought about in me. Jesus Christ renewed my mind. He not only renewed it, he healed it as evidenced by um, the breakdown of my mind before I came to him was total. His healing also was what was total. Um, he changes my mind. He changes my outlook. He changes my heart. He started healing my mind. He started changing it. He gave me a spirit of cooperation in that brokenness. He changed thoughts. Jesus changed thoughts from self-condemning to harsh, to critical, to more loving, more forgiving, more caring thoughts about myself. Seeing myself as Jesus sees me became one of the most important tools that I have learned to use in order to change that thought pattern. Um, it had to be broken in order to be changed by God and Jesus Christ. They met me where I was at that time in the psychiatric hospital and started their great work in me. Jesus sees me as a beautiful child of God, a person he has changed, he has, whose heart and mind he has softened. He has, sees me as a great work and he sees me as his confident his his warrior now he sees me as renewed and forgiven and more merciful um, he is my changer my transformer he is my healer How about it? Uh, I wanted to show that video uh, for a couple reasons. One, um, I wanted to have someone that had a life history of transformation. Like, not just this has just happened, but this can happen and it can stay and it can keep on happening. Um, and Mia's been a part of our uh, church family for 12 years. Um, and and I, the other reason I wanted, wanted 
I wish I had a before picture and after picture because often what happens is when we come in with this world and have living in this world, it affects us physically. Um, we often see people come in, shoulders literally hunched over, no light, no joy, just overwhelmed by life. And, and the transformation that Christ brings is not only just an internal thing in a, and in our minds, but it literally affects our bodies. And, and we become in his image more and more and me is one of these people that's lived it out and uh, it was cool actually a couple weeks ago i was at um autozone it's my place um and uh so i was just talking to somebody inviting them to alpha you got to come to alpha and uh and they said well what's it about so we're talking and and i said and they said well, where is it i go it's all at freshwater and they go freshwater do you know mia and i'm like do i know mia i know mia and this person went on to say, and I, I think they're struggling in their walk with God if they have one. I, I'm not sure. Um, only the Lord knows, but uh, they're not in a good place in life right now. And they said, Mia is probably one of the most encouraging people I have in my life. And she is the one that's helped me get through all kinds of things. And her face just lit up when we started talking about Mia. And that's what Christ does. That's transformation. It is not only from brokenness, but whole and then now bringing healing to others that's that's the vision god has for your life that's a vision he has for my life and i want to just say real practically what does this look like um how, how do you go for transformation um let me just say the premise of transformation is that it is a god driven thing it is a god produced thing so this whole Christian life started with the premise, I can't do it, and it never stops that premise, right? That premise keeps going. You will never transform yourself. I will never transform myself. So it makes it really difficult because he's saying be transformed by the ruining of your mind, but if you're saying I can't do it, then how do I do something that I'm commanded to do? Great question. God does the work, and here's the second part. We cooperate. We choose Every moment of every day, Lord, transform me, change me. Lord, bring that vision of your life in me. Lord, do it. So we're saying, yes, Lord, I want this. And God's saying, stand back. Let me work. I'll do it. And it's just every moment of every day making that choice, Lord, do this in me. Do your work in me. Rather than making a vow, I, I won't do that anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to do this it's saying, Lord, do this in me. And one of the things that, that he says here that I think it is critical is he says, transform the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Our mind is this, this incredible thing, the control center, all the thoughts that come in and how we process and how we look and, and I would say, if you want to talk real practical, how do we renew our mind? What's the most effective way? His word. I wish I had something new. I wish I had something fancy. But all I've got is the supernatural word of God. This works. Read this, and it'll transform you. It will. I was just, I'm starting in, in Leviticus, or not Leviticus, I'm starting in um, Ezekiel. I've been reading Ezekiel. And um, 
you know, I get, I don't know about you guys, but I get into a passage and I really get comfortable in one. Like God really starts to speak to me and then I'm afraid to leave it because I'm like, well, God, I, you like really spoke to me. I don't want to leave this thing. And he's like, I know I've got a lot written here. There's more there and it'll work. Just trust me. And it's really hard for me to change out of a passage or a book that I'm studying. I just get fixated and it's, it's part of my issues. It's not yours. And so I started reading in Ezekiel and I'm like, it's alive. And God's like, I know, I wrote it. And I'm finding all kinds of stuff in Ezekiel that's prophecy and it's all this stuff about Israel's history. And I didn't think I'd find anything. And God is in the middle of that. I'm just reading it. And God's talking to me. This, this book, there's nothing that's ever going to replace it. There, there's nothing that ever is going to be invented. There's no church out there that's going to come up with something better than this. There's no leader. If you find somebody that's saying there's something better, they're wrong. All right? We just say that out front. They're wrong. There isn't. His word is what transforms us. And one of the things, uh, David talked about this. It was a moment where he was, King David was caught, busted for being conformed to the patterns of this world in a really horrific way and his response was lord purify me lord cleanse me lord change me change me and he kept praying this and begging god to do this work and 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 that's often what happens for me i have this this picture of um like my mind if i have totally just given in i'm like man i am back doing this what am i doing i I have this image in my mind i don't know if this is what you have but like my mind is just covered with dirt like filth And I come to the word of God, and I'm like, Lord, cleanse me. And there's this picture of God just cleansing me, washing it away, because that's the image in here. Purify me with hyssop, I also be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. And that's the word of God. And we come to him and say, Lord, transform me, change me. And I, I can see him, I can sense that cleansing, that transformation happening. That's what his word does. And I know some of you aren't readers. I, I get that. Uh, get it on tape. Oh, that was old reference. Wow. Pull out your A-track and just jam it in there, and let's do this thing. Pull out your vinyl. Let's go retro. Um, Get it on your phone. Play it in the car. Just play it when you're driving. You'll be amazed at what you fill your mind up with and how God begins to even transform you. The other thing is, it, it's God started, it's our choice of saying, Lord, do this in me, keeps doing this in me. It, it's this, this book right here is him working, it's his words, it's, it's powerful. And the fourth and final thing, just real practical, is it is a lifelong process. It's all of our lives. There's going to be crisis moments where God breaks in and says, I am going to deal with this right now, and there's a big transformation that happens when we say yes to him, and big breakthrough, and healing, and all kinds of stuff. Fireworks, you know, it's great. But most of this is a lifelong process. I think it's Eugene Peterson said, it's a long walk in the same direction. A long walk in the same, which is not, you know, when you look at it, that's not exciting. I'd much rather have the fireworks things, and no, No, this whole idea of being transformed is a long walk going this way towards Christ. 
And don't be discouraged by that. Because you, you may not see change. You may not see transformation in a year or two years or three years, but all of a sudden, 10 years down the road, 12 years down the road, everybody's looking going, you're different. You are different. And I like that, different. So don't despair. Don't get discouraged. It's a lifelong process. God changing us. His truth. And I say his word. I just invite the team to come up. His word, when we start to, to just let this transform us, we read this, it's truth. So we're exchanging now lies for truth. And we start to exchange what this world says about us for now who God says, or what God says about us, right? So we're, we're changing even identity as we start to read this and say, no, 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 that's the old way. That's the world. That's the, the flesh. That's all that garbage. I'm done with that. I want what God says about me. I want his vision for me. And we start to live according to the truth and what God already says is true about us. The team's going to sing a song. I just invite you, not just let the words of this, because it's right out of the word of God. These are just statements of truth. Just soak in this song. You don't have to, if you want to sing, fantastic. Soak in the truth of this song and how God has transformed us.